All right. Good morning, everybody. We are going to be in Joshua chapter 7 today, this morning. Joshua chapter 7. I'm just going to read a portion of this. It's going to be kind of interesting. We're going to read a portion of this chapter. We're going to reference all of it. And we're also going to reference a few chapters back, a chapter before. So we're going to be in a few different spots. But I think it'll it'll all make sense. So Joshua chapter 7 this morning. Also, I meant to do this, but it's, I, this is my first time preaching here on a Sunday morning, so I kept telling myself, as soon as I get here and I'm able to preach a Sunday morning, um, I finally have the pulpit <laughs> to be able to address the congregation and just give a collective thank you for our um, moving here a few, oh, actually, probably almost a month now uh, ago, and just thank you for all of your support in many different ways. Um, just, I don't know what else to say. Thanks. God's good, and we're glad to be here. So, anyway... Glad I got to preach before it was, you know, a year and a half, and then I say it then, but <laughs> only a month later. Thank you for all of your support and love, and appreciate that for our wife, my wife and kids, and it's just been a blessing. So, all right, let's get into it. Joshua chapter 7, um, if you're able to, please stand. We'll read, start a reading in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. <clears throat> but the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing, where Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto them, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, um, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about 30 and 6 men. For they chased them from before the gate, even a Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, whereof the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us, us round and cut off our name from the earth, and what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and disassembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel cannot stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. We're going to stop our reading there. We'll have a quick word of prayer, and we'll jump into the, the message this morning. Lord, thank you for this time that we have. What a, what a blessing, Lord. Again, being able to open your word as a, as a group of people here, as a church body, um, to read your word just now, just blessed and thankful for God. And I'm I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for its power, for its transforming power, Lord. I'm thankful for your grace and your mercy, your love towards us, God, a frail, sinful people, God. But I'm so thankful that you are 
our love and forgiveness, and I'm so thankful for that, God. I just pray that you be with this effort we have this morning, God, that you would do a work. I pray that you're honored through it. Praying for our uh, pastor as well as he should be preaching here before too long. There in Arizona, God, just be with him and be with his family. Lord, bring them back safe to us here this week. Thank you for them. And we just thank you again for this time. And may we have open hearts and, and minds this morning. We just say that we love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> thank you for standing. You may be seated. <clears throat> How many of you here this morning would say you like to win? Go ahead and raise your hand. All right. Again, let me see. Because some people didn't raise their hand. I'm going to ask you why. I'm going to call it one by one. I want an answer. Just kidding. Um, I think generally we all like to win, right? Um, yeah, but Tim likes to win. Um, I mean, when I play games, I'm sorry, Lauren, but when I say play games against my wife, I'm not going to lie, I usually win. I don't think it's because I like to win. I think she really likes to win. So I think I think God is gracious that way and kind of tries to humble her by letting me win because I don't care if I win or not. You know, I'm just like, oh, that's cool. You know, um, but <laughs> you know, some people really like to win. Just you know, you know, and honestly, God's plan um, for your life is is victory. It's victory. Like that's what we we prefer victory in our lives, right? I mean, I don't think we set up ourselves for failure. You know, I didn't get get the job at, at Holman's there, working with some of the brothers here, which is great, um, and thinking, man, I can't wait to go in there and just fail every single day, right? You know, it's, it's not my plan. I want to I win. I want to do right. I want to do my job well. Those of you who are in here and you work, I want to do well. You know, um, how about we talk about something? I don't know if I'm going to be, if I'm going to get booed here or not, so let's just see. I'm up from Oregon, right? I, I attend Oregon State University, so we're, we're the Beavers up there, right? Um, so I'm not going to say I'm a diehard Beaver fan, because I'm not. Um, I go to the school, don't really follow too much. Uh, I know down here you guys do the, the Huskers, right? That's what it is. Huskers fans. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dogging on them at all. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> not that silly, right? Um, see, back home, we were Giants fans. So if Pastor is watching now, he's probably excited about that. Although my mom was a Steelers fan. And my brother Carlos was a Raiders fan. So I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing about all these different teams that we have. We all like to win, right? We all want our team to win. We know that every team can't win, but we like to win. That's what we want to do, and there's nothing better than seeing that 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, or sorry for the Giants this year, that 1-0, 1-1, 1-2, 1-3, 1-4. right, I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> right? You know, um, that happens too, right? God's, uh, God's plan, however, for us, you know, aside from sports teams, really, in our Christian lives, is, is victory. It is. He wants us to, to win. He wants us to be victorious. You say, well, Mike, why or how could you know that? Because his name is on the line. Like, his, his glory is on the line. That's what's up at stake. And if you were in here for Sunday school, we talked about that. We talked about how creation declares God's glory. We talked about how his word declares God's glory. We talked about how we, as his people, um, ought to declare God's glory as well in our lives, not hinder that. God wants to win. He wants to use you in your life. He wants to be victorious in your Christian life so that other people can know what a great God he is. So there's this lie that kind of travels between the, the minds of believers sometimes that says, I don't think God's on my side, or I don't think God wants me to win, or I don't think God's there with me because why? Well, because maybe I don't have the stuff that I want. Well, 
God's never promised us that, right? He's never promised us stuff or, well, God wouldn't have let this thing happen in my life. He never said that wouldn't happen in your life, right? These, these are the lies that we tell ourselves. God's plan is for victory, right? But it's, it's, and it's in his way. It's for his honor and it's for his glory. That tragic thing that happened, I don't want to downplay, whatever it is, right? But God knows about that. And if it's part of his plan, it's part of his plan for his glory. And that's why you're going through that thing, right? Our plan is victory. Even it seems like, God's plan, sorry, is victory. Even when it seems like maybe we're losing or maybe it's, it's not. So as we come to Joshua chapter 7, and as you're looking at that graphic that says, yeah, Mike, but the plan is a crossed out, and you're saying that his plan is victory. So we'll, we'll get to that in a, in a minute. As we come to Joshua chapter 7, though, it starts out pretty intense. And sorry for a Sunday morning to have such a hefty passage, but this is where we're, we're going to be this morning. It says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, right, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Let's boil this down. Achan chose to do what was wrong. He made a bad choice. He took of something he was not supposed to take. And it'll break down what that is here in a little bit. And Joshua, not knowing this at the time in verse 2, says he sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon on the east of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went and viewed Ai. And as they returned to Joshua, they, they chat, and he says, Let's not let everybody go up there, but just a couple thousand. They're small. We should be just fine. Now, at this point, I also want to make this clear. If you go back to chapter 2, you don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll turn there. I want to read a, a verse or two here. Verse 8 says this. It says, And before they were laid down, she, talking about Rahab, came up unto, unto them upon the roof, and she said this unto the two men that went uh, to spy out Jericho. It says, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror, listen to this, is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. So, let's talk about our sports team again, right? You're 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, who are you playing next, right? Giants and Steelers, Giants are 3-0. Just pretend with me, I know it's not that way. Let's just pretend a good thing. They're 3-0 and they're going up against the Steelers, right? So, okay, so now maybe the Steelers are thinking, man, they're 3-0. and So, seems like, like they might just keep this thing up, right? I mean, their, their track record's pretty good, right? Maybe they're 4-0. Now they're 6-0, right? And they go to fight the next person. What are they thinking? They've got a good track record. So what are you thinking about that team coming up? You're like, they got a good chance. I mean, look what they're doing. And it's essentially, it's essentially that. It's like the people in Jericho see Israel marching this way, following God's will for their life. And it's like they say, oh man, here they come. Oh man, remember what they did at the Red Sea? Remember what they did with the Egyptians? And remember what they did to the two kings of the Amorites, Sihon and Og? And remember, oh my, can you believe what's happening here? And now they're coming this way. And it's like, it says their hearts melted because it's like their team is just marching, marching, marching. And that's God's plan. God's plan was, I'm going to take you from here and you're going to go there. And we're going to make it. So, but God, all these people are in the way. We're going to, we're going to make it. That's because God's plan is victory. We know that his plan is victory. We're going to make it. So they're just going and they're going and they're fighting and they're winning and all these things. And Jericho's scared. And we get to this point now. They had just seen that victory at Jericho and now they're all pumped. And okay, now we're going to go go check out Ai, our next our next town. So we just saw God do some pretty miraculous things. And let's see what happens next. Oh, they're, they're pretty small. We'll just send a couple thousand people. Go take care of them. We'll be 5-0 and oh, and we'll be good. And we'll just keep marching right along to where God wants to bring us. But then what happens 
is these men come back and they're like, you won't believe what happened. <laughs> they whooped us. Like I'm talking men are dead, right? 36, and they were just slaughtering us. It was a chase. It was crazy. It was like, you, you, you wouldn't even believe it. And it's like, what in the world is happening? We're five and one all of a sudden? Like, what? where did this come from? From, from AI? The men at AI? This is what happened? Like, yeah, we're giving an honest report. This, this is what happened. And we find out here in a little bit, after the events of verse 6 here, it says, Joshua rent his clothes. He fell to the earth upon his face. Before, uh, before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. Look at uh, Joshua's response to this, um, this tragedy that's happened. After their hearts have been melted and become as water, he rents his clothes, he falls upon the face of the earth, dust upon their heads, and Joshua says unto God, look at this, he says, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan? to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Now let me just give a little side plug here before we, before we go on. How quickly do we forget what God just did for us in our lives? You say, God's going to bring victory here, there. He could do a million things, Christian, and I'm not accusing you of this. Let me just go ahead and confess my own, my own wrongdoings here, or my own frailty here. But I imagine we're probably in, in the same boat. God can do miracle after miracle after miracle. And then something bad happens and I can whine like a baby. Oh God, why are you letting this happen to me? This is the worst thing ever. What's going on? You know what God usually does? He usually shows himself. And <laughs> like he was going to anyway because he's faithful. Because his plan is victory. And just because it doesn't always look the way that it's going to look for us, you know. Something happens. Oh God, why would you? What's happening? Now look at this. Look at this response as they continue. <clears throat> Why would you bring this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side, Jordan. That's another way of saying, would to God we not followed your will. I know your plan was this way, but would to God we just didn't even follow after you because look at where we are. That's a bad spot to be in right there. When you're questioning God's direct will in your life, friend, there's some things that God commands you to do that you ought not just go against, right? There's things that God says you need to do that you just need to do. And don't, don't question it. Just follow God. Even if it doesn't look like it's happening the way that it should be, follow after God. Would to God be that we'd been content and just dwelt on the other side of Jordan? This is all in vain. O oh Lord, verse 8, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? Again, God's not in, in the business of calling you to do something and then having you turn your back and run away scared when his name's at stake. This, this is the part that should comfort us, is that God has called you to be his representative here, right, to live for God in, in Fall City or wherever you, wherever you abide, right, to be that Christian man, to be that strong man, that strong woman, and follow his will. And when times get tough or things look, you know, I don't know, God, about this one, he wants you to stay faithful because, again, his name's on the line. He wants to show to people around you how good and how strong your God is. As soon as we start to turn our backs and, and, and say, oh God, I don't really know about this. I don't know about that one. It's not his fault. He's still powerful. His name's the one on the line, though. So you're just going to make the, the God that you serve look kind of wimpy because you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. But it's not his lack of power. It's our lack of trust and faith and understanding and what he's doing in our lives. And that's a hard spot for us to be in. We don't want to be in that spot. He said... Our enemies are not going to get the upper hand here, is what I'm trying to say, and what this verse is saying. Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies, 
for the Canaanites in verse 9, and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Come on, Joshua. AI smote 36 people in this. And I mean, this is a little, this is a little dramatic, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm not in the same position. I didn't see these people dying. <laughs> All this kind of stuff happened. But it seems like if you look back at you know, your track record and what God has done, I don't think all of a sudden he's going to let a little town scare you this much and just change the whole plan. God's bigger than that. Something's going on. And we knew something was going on, right? Having the Bible, we can see exactly what's happening. <clears throat> As we saw in verse 1, that the children of Israel committed a trespass, for Achan took of the accursed thing. But he says here, what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And it's a good question. What is God going to do to his great name? Well, he's not going to forsake his name. And he's not going to forsake his glory. And he's not going to forsake his power and his majesty and his, his desire to see every person come to know him. He's not just going to forsake his name. Absolutely not. God would never do that. So this is not on God. Something went on. Something happened here. Verse 9 says, for the uh, or sorry, verse 10. And look at the Lord's response here. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? And look at these words here. Israel hath sinned. Sin is so devastating. It's so tragic. It's so awful. It's, it's something that needs to be brought to light in the sense that it's so bad. And I feel like sometimes Christians, myself included, try to justify sinful actions as big or small or whatever. But before a holy God who can't have an ounce of it, sin is the worst, most destructive thing. The littlest bit. I don't, I don't care if you're the perfect person in the world. If one time you did one little thing, that's too much. It's too much sin. God cannot abide with it. It's the worst thing. And yet Christians today can, can coexist with it in a way. We can justify it. We can have it in our lives. We can act like it's not that big of a deal. But I'm telling you right now, that little bit was enough to send Jesus Christ to die on the cross. It was enough for God to say, I can't fellowship with you, and you deserve to be in hell for eternity because of that one little bit of sin. But I am willing to send my son to die for his righteous blood to shed, to clean you, to like make things right so we can fellowship again. Sin's a big deal. That's because of sin. Sin's a big deal. Please don't think it's not a big deal. Don't think it's not going to destroy your, your family. It's going to destroy you. It has the propensity to do all of those things. Big sin, small sin, doesn't matter. It's all an offense to God. It's all against God. And it's like this little thing that Achan did. Oh, it's just a piece of silver. Oh, it's just a garment. It's just this. I mean, what's the big deal? It doesn't matter. It's an offense to God. It's, it's wrong. It's an offense to God. And what it says here... Uh, Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have stolen, and disassembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Makes you wonder about you and I today. Makes you wonder about you and I here in the congregation today. <clears throat> I don't want to get ahead of myself, but... I'm getting a little excited thinking about God's plan for Valley Avenue Baptist Church. 
And I'm thinking about what God might want to do here in False City. And I'm thinking about us as a, a called out assembly of believers who God wants to use as he wants to use each of you as a part of his plan. He wants us to be 1-0, 2-0, 3-0. That's God's plan for us. It's victory. It is. Even if it doesn't look like it, that's what he wants. Why? Because his name's on the line and he wants his presence here in Fall City just like he wants it anywhere else. But the issue comes not because our God is not good and he really doesn't want his name spread abroad in Fall City. It comes because men and women like you and me are not convinced of the devastating effects of sin. So much, we're, we're so not convinced of it that we're willing to steal or commit sin just like Israel had and feel like we can hide it and get away with it and like God can still help us have the victory. Sin is devastating. Verse 12 says, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies. But they've seen such great victories. They've seen such amazing things happen. Please look in your own life and think about all the amazing things that God has done for you. He has done some. He's done some really incredible ones. Write them down. Remember them. They're helpful. I'm going to get off topic, so I'm going to try to keep going that, way, <laughs> that route. Remember the, the great things that God has done, because he, he wants to do them again. Again, because his name is on the line, because he's the one that we want to glorify. He's the one that wants to show himself strong in this world. That sin, so devastating. He says, Israel turned back from their enemies. That's not God's plan. Come on, God's plan for, for us here at the church is not for, for uh, opposition to rise against us and then for us to close our doors or to, to cower away and say, all right, society says this or they say that, so I guess maybe you're right here and, and just kind of slowly but surely turn and, and hide or, or go away. That's not God's plan at all. God's plan is victory, so we've got to trust and believe that regardless of what it looks like around us, regardless of what society says, regardless of what you know our, our government says we should believe and all these things, like regardless of all that, God's plan still is victory. We don't, we don't turn and cower. If anything, you turn to God, right, and you get, meet with them, and then you get right back out there. We don't flee from our enemies or the opposition around us because God's plan is not for us to flee. He did not say, we're taking you to the promised land. going to get about here. Things are going to get tough, and then we're actually going to run away. That sounds so silly. For our God, that's so silly. There's, there's no one that can stand up against our God. Why, why would we expect to go halfway and not? If you're here and you're like, man, Fall City could be reached, but I mean, probably not too much. Maybe not that guy on that street, or maybe not this person, or maybe not that. I mean, God can only go so far. God's Spirit can only work so much. Some of you in here right now have a testimony that says, Brother Mike, I'm so glad that God saved my soul. I was heading this way, and it was a bad direction to go. But God made a change in me. He can make a change in anybody. And you know what? I've heard that testimony for so many people. Brother Mike, I never would have been in church. I never. My parents didn't. My grandparents didn't. I just, the last place I've ever been. But I'll tell you, God just made a difference. And you've got to believe that those people are still out there. And you've got to believe that God still wants to reach those people. You have to believe that. And you have to believe that his plan is victory. But that's just a plan. How do we make it happen? Right? You say, well, be obedient. Yeah, that's good. That's good, but let's, let's look here. Verse 12 also mentions something interesting that I want to point out. <clears throat> verse, er, let's look at verse 11. Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, 
and have also stolen and disassembled, and they have put it among their own stuff. So there's sin in the camp. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies. Now hold on a second, this isn't right. This isn't God's plan right here. Something happened because they were accursed. Please look at this next line right here. This is very important. It says, Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. That is so important. Because those men that went to battle and gave their all and were seeing victory after victory after victory was not because they were so strong and because they were so mighty and because of everything that they were able to do in their own power. It's because God was with them. That's why. God was with them and he made it happen. Oh, how do you know God was with them? Because I'm pretty sure when you march around something, you could do one, two, seven on the seventh day. You could a, a trillion times and then shout. You could do those things. But I'm telling you, those walls are never coming down just because you're out there shouting. Doesn't happen. God does that part. <laughs> God does that part. We don't do that. We obey. God's plan is victory. We obey and we let him do it. But let me ask you this. God's plan is victory. They march around Jericho. If his plan is victory, but his presence isn't there, are they still going to see victory? They're not going to see those walls come down unless God's presence is there. So yes, God's plan is very important because it is victory. But what really makes it happen is God's presence. Does that make sense? God being there is what makes it happen. You cannot say, God, we are going to reach Fall City and we're just pumped and we're going to do it, and we're going to go on visitation, we're going to invite people to friend day, and we're going to see God do this amazing work, and God this, God that, God's going to work, God's going to do this, God's plan is victory, God, 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 all this stuff, and he's just going to do these amazing things, and then go, but I still have this over here. I still, I still, I still have something that I know is wrong, that God told me not to do, and expect God to say, oh, I see that there in your pocket, because I'm God and I see it, but I'll just come along anyway. And I'll still just do those miraculous things in your life. Because, hey, I'm God, but I can coexist with a little bit of sin. I can just, you know, approve of that and just still 1-0, and 2-0, 3-0, 4-0. I could still do that. Me and that little bit of sin you have there is fine. Absolutely not. We have to remove this lie from our head that says that little bit is okay. Throw it out. He says burn it, destroy it, get rid of it. Get rid of whatever that is so we can be like 4-0, 5-0, 6-0. God's not obligated to be with you as you march to the promised land, if you're going to try to do things however you want to do it. That's just the way it is. God's not obligated to, to, man, I know you're sinning, but I told you I'd get there, so I guess I'll deal with it this time, and I'll still let you win your battles, and I'll still do all that. No. God's saying, neither will I be with you. You're going to turn, you're going to fall, you're not going to be able to stand, you're not going to do any of those things. Absolutely not, because I will not be there with you if that sin is, is there. It needs to be destroyed. And I'm telling you, there's men and women in our congregations today that willingly live in sin, hide things, and, and, and choose to still come and say, well, please come, I don't want you to not come, but please come, but make those things right. Hear the word of God, hear the preaching of the word of God, and say, okay, this thing is wrong, and I don't want to be a part of this congregation, be the part of this congregation that says, oh, I'm a believer, but I can just live however I want, and expect God to bless me in my life, and expect God to do great things here in Fall City. I'm telling you right now, God takes sin very seriously, and you've got to understand that if it's hidden in your life, if you have something that you know is wrong, just cast it out, destroy it, come to the altar, sit in your, your seat, I, I, I don't care, just get real with God and say, I know this thing is wrong and I'm going to get rid of this thing because God, your plan is victory, but your presence needs to be here. But you're not obligated to dwell with me if I'm just living however I want. We don't, 
we abide by his rules. Right? Like, like Psalm 27 says, right? You want to behold the beauty of God and dwell in his, his tabernacle and, and be with God? Well, then God says, yeah, you can be with me all day long. That sounds like a great thing. But there's some house rules, some things that you have to abide by. You're not just going to come in here and live however you want. Absolutely not. Well, I thought God always had open arms. He does. For those who come willing to turn and repent and say, God, you will accept me, but I have to also like get rid of the wrong that I'm doing in my life. Oh, the prodigal son comes to his dad. I'm so glad that I'm back, but I'm still going to like live how I am, and I don't really care. I'm not really actually repentant, but like, can I still? No. There needs to be like a brokenness there over what you've done. And understand and think about what God has done and say, God, what do I really need right now? What I really need is your, is your, your presence. Because sure, his plan's victory. <coughs> That's exactly what he wants in your life. But he's not just going to give it to you. He's like, I'm going to go with you. Because there's going to be things that only I can do. And I need to be there. Like, like, like bring the walls down. You're not going to do that. You need me there. Because I don't, I don't remember stories. Or let me ask this. Which is a cooler story? We went out and we, we went into Jericho and we killed a bunch of people. Cool. That's pretty cool. I guess for this time, right? <laughs> or we marched around the wall and over the course of seven days, we shouted, blew the trumpet, all these things. You know, boom, walls fall down, like this impenetrable fortress. Again, that just doesn't happen, right? If I'm a bystander just walking by, but uh, what are those guys doing? Boom, right? Stuff falls down. I'm not just like, oh, that happens every day. I'm like, that was incredible. Like, that was an act of God. But God's not going to do those incredible things that blow people's minds when you're choosing to live however you want. He just doesn't do it because it's like he's not obligated to do it. But don't we want those incredible stories? I, I thank God for, <laughs> as I say, we're, we haven't moved into that new house, right, yet, that we're, we're looking to, so I'm not going to use that as an example yet, although I'm pretty sure God's blessing in that way, which is awesome. So let me just use the Holman's Ford story. I love this story. It's great. I told Lauren, and you can ask her, I told her, two things I'm not going to stress about are a job and a house going to Fall City because I just don't want to stress about it. It's a lot to think about, and I don't want to stress about it. Am I going to look for a house? Yeah. Am I going to look for a job? Of course. I'm not just going to sit there and you know, expect a job. I'm, I'm looking. I'm doing my part, right? But I'll tell you right now, God worked in that way in, in getting that job. God is working. You can ask Miss Cindy and others. God is working in that home situation. God is like doing those things. Like I told Lauren too, I'd love to go to Fall City and we have a decent amount of equity and we could buy a house. But what's a better story? We went to Fall City and we bought a house because we had a decent amount of money. Or we went to Fall City, and some of the church members met up somewhere by happenstance and started talking, and, oh, this person just be happy to do this, and this worked out, and, oh, look at that. This is great. Look at how this is happening. This is like, this is like God working here, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's great. Those are the stories you should want. Those are the stories you should, you should expect of God. He doesn't want you to worry. He doesn't, he's not, Mike, I want you and your family to, to leave it all and come to Fall City. Um, you're going to get there, and then I'm just going to go, bye-bye. He doesn't say that. Thank God he doesn't do that. Because I'm not the strong enough, smart enough man to make things work for me and my family, moving across the country and getting rid of everything. I need God. I need God to do those things for me. I don't mean this as an insult, but none of us in here are so smart and so wise and so great that they have it all figured out. We need God's presence in our lives for victory. I'm not a perfect man. You're not a perfect man. You're not a perfect woman. We're certainly not. We don't have to be. 
You don't have it figured out. I don't have everything you figured out. We don't have to have it figured out. We just have to know the one who does and allow his presence to be in our lives. That's it. That's it. That's all we got to do. We can, we can manage that, right? That's what I tell myself every morning. You got this, right, Mike? Looking in the mirror. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you got this, right, Mike? Well, Mike sure doesn't have it. That's for sure. But if I can prepare myself and say the devil wants nothing more than to ruin my life and my testimony, and I've got a sinful flesh that wants nothing more than sin in my life and the pleasures that involve it, if I could just wake up in the morning and say, God, help me to put the armor of God on me and just protect my mind from sin and just stay the devil and just allow me to seek you today and just, God, forgive me for the wrongs that I have done and just be with me today, I've won. That's it. I already won. That's victory right there. You say, God's plan is victory. Well, it doesn't seem like there's victory in my life. Is God with you this morning? Is he with you? Or are you hiding something that's allowing, that's, that's, that's saying, God, you, he, he's not welcome? What is victory? God's plan. Is it like when I get to the promised land? Is it when I see all the stuff happen? Like, what is victory? Victory in your life is any day, any moment that you can stand and say, I'm not a perfect man but I've sought God and I've invited him into my heart. I feel as though he's with me. It almost seems conceited, <laughs> you know? But to humble yourself and to truly just say, I'm not perfect, but boy, I really just want to live right. And I, I want a strong, good relationship with God and as best I know how I'm, I'm walking with him today and, and I feel his presence in my life. That's victory. That's victory for Valley Avenue Baptist Church. Like, you don't even have to go out and, we don't have to today see everybody saved in Valley Avenue Baptist Church. Just all of us in here just need to invite God's presence. Understand his plan, and then invite his presence, right? Understand what he wants to see happen, and then invite his presence in our life, denying flesh, sin, ungodliness, all those things, throwing those things, burning them, getting rid of those things, inviting God's presence in our lives and saying that is victory. Because they would have beaten Ai with Joshua's plan, for sure, had God been along with them. I mean, some of you are, are going through some hard hardships right now. And you're just sitting here going, oh, I thought God's plan was victory for my life. His plan is victory, and it still is. But if you're not seeing that victory, then is it because his presence isn't there? And if his presence isn't there, it's certainly not his fault. God's never going to abandon you. But you very well have the propensity every day to say, I know what God said, but I'm just going to take this and kind of... All right, let's go about the day. Let's go conquer the land. Let's go conquer the land with, with this right here. doesn't work that way. God says, I mean, if you want to go, you can, but I'll see you back here in a few minutes with the destruction and the effects of all the terrible things that just happened as 30, 36 men die. And you start questioning, God, is your name... What's going to happen to your almighty name? God's saying, nothing's going to happen to my name. He says, I'm God. You need me. Right? We need God. We're a, we're a frail people. <clears throat> the rest of chapter 7, the portions that we didn't read, talk about the sin of, of Achan coming to light and his death <clears throat> and his family's death and all that. And as we go into chapter 8, we see victory. AI. Seems like things are back to normal a little bit there, right? Their, their streak continues. And I just really 
I just really wonder if it's not the same with, with you and I today. I just really wonder if God's plan for your life is not <clears throat> victory. To see God work in a miraculous way. To give you stories that always point back to Him and His goodness. You know, I, I envy a lot, a, lot of, a lot of you in here who have years beyond myself. I'll say it that way, to be kind. Okay? You've got so many stories about how God's worked in your life for the past 30, 40, 50, however many years. You know, I love hearing those stories. Um, they, they help solidify in me that my same God who's faithful to me has been faithful to you for so many years. And I get to tell my kids you know, that God was faithful to me and he was faithful to this man and this woman, and he, he just always is. And I've never heard someone tell me a story about God <clears throat> not, not making a way for someone and then them saying something like this, like, well, I mean, I also was living in sin for that one time. You know, they're never like, oh, yeah, I was living in sin, and God did this great thing. It, those aren't the stories I hear. God doesn't, God doesn't work that way. God doesn't, you don't get to bargain sin and barter sin with God like that. Absolutely not. If I can encourage you this morning, don't believe the lie that just a little bit of sin is okay. Don't believe the lie that just a little bit of doing, you know, the opposite of what God says is okay. Don't believe the lie that if you don't see victory in your life, it's because God's abandoned you. Don't believe those lies. Those are from the devil. This morning, ask yourself, God, if your plan really is victory for my life, if it really is, and I'm not seeing it, is it because your presence isn't there? And if it's not there, invite him in. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I, don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can give this thing up, this thing that I'm struggling with. Brother, sister, you've got men and women around you with struggles that are trying to do right. Talk to someone. Talk to your pastor. Be real with them. You know, and say, I've, I've tried and I just have a hard time. Pastor, I, I don't want you to look at me differently. And I'll tell you right now, I, I know our pastor, and I know you do too. And he would, not, he would not want you to stay that way. He'd want you to come to him, open up the word, pray with you, say, we can, we can find a way. Because God's plan is victory, but we can we can get God's presence back into your life. It's a possibility. You can have God's presence. You can have peace. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to fail. You can have God's presence in your life. And it's an awesome thing. So consider it this morning as we uh, begin the invitation here in a moment. Just ask yourself, God, are you with me? And if you're not, I want you to be. Help me to, to put away the sins in my life. Confess those things. Make things right. And if your plan is victory, I need to have your presence. Make that a reality here. Get low and ask God for, for his help this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning and thank you for the time we have as we um, have time for invitation now. We, God, just in our hearts and minds, just help us to consider the reality and the harshness and the tragedy that sin is. Help us to develop a strong hate for it, God, and help us to recognize that you can't dwell with that sin, God, but we need your presence to see victory in our own lives here in Falls City, to be a church that really honors you, God, who we want you to be welcome here, Father. And I just pray, God, if there's some here today that would say, Brother Mike, there's something I'm struggling with, help them to understand, God, that they don't have to struggle with that, Lord. They can make things right. They can have your presence in their life. Your forgiveness is real. And it's abundant, and we're so thankful for that, God.
Help us to make decisions today. As we have a time of invitation now, we just say that we love you and thank you. And I see things all in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so let's all uh, go ahead and stand. Maybe bow our heads if uh, altars are